Welcome to episode 34 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Mr. Matt Leach. Hi, how are you? I'm sounding awesome, I hope. Yes, because we have new equipment. Just drop some cash on some new stuff. Um, so we've done about a year of using kind of hacked together digital stuff and now we've gone analog. So we hope that you enjoy this in your ear holes. That sounds... Can you... No. All right, look. That's wrong. We, let's introduce who we've got because we're pretty excited about who we've got. Yeah. Mr. Mike Tosetto is here in the studio. Oh. I don't, I, why am I doing the voices? Sorry. I'm doing the voices because I've got the, the big microphone. I don't mind it. It's a big microphone. It's yeah. the new equipment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Extra It's exciting. exciting. It's yeah. Friday. Yeah. It, it is, is Friday. Friday. Yeah. I'm actually feeling better as well. I've been so sick for the last two weeks. So that's why we haven't actually been doing any of these for a while and... But well, well, going back, actually, the reason we didn't do it originally is because Mike was one of the first people I knew that got that damn flu virus thing that went around. That knocked yeah, you, yeah, knocked you on your ass, didn't it? Did. It? it did. It wasn't fun. And I was at work that day planning to come in, and I had a meeting actually with, with um, Murray from Semi Permanent and Chris Doyle that afternoon. <laughs> and then I really wanted to do this, and I remember calling you. I sp- sounded like rubbish. And, you did. Um, you you did. were like, man, let's just, let's just not do it this week. Yeah. So, <laughs> we all would have sounded like we were pinching our nose, yeah, like, oh, exactly. hey, guys, welcome to Australia. <laughs> and the next time, Matt got sick. So, yeah. yeah. But here we are. Here we are. We, we made it good, and yeah. So I just mm. want to stop right there. So Semi Permanent, yeah? Yep. You're I'm doing the motion side of right. the, the, the branding. So it basically, it's a, it's a bit of a cool story. Um, so Jamie Mitchell and I, so um, we used to skate together. So for those of you who don't know, Jamie Mitchell runs a studio called M35. Jamie Mitchell, who's ex-Maud, now runs um, M35. So he did all the branding last year, and then he did all the branding, the design this year. And Murray didn't know that we knew each other. But Patrick Clare, who most of you would know, Patrick Clare from Antibody, now represented by Elastic in LA, he knew of me and recommended me to Murray. So Murray got in touch. Then I ended up working with Jamie from M35, and it was really cool. So Jamie did all the design, beautiful identity, probably seen it out there by now. I did um, all the motion and brought it to life. We've just launched that, like, sort of brand platform. Cool. And, um, yeah, so that was a really cool project. So we kind of wrapped that up, and, yeah, it was a a great one to work on. You've done some really beautiful stuff, which has used other people's design and made it move in, you know, really different ways. And it's almost uh, renewed the whole concept for me. I'm thinking, like, um, that Paul Garbett poster that he did for Agda. Work in Progress. The Work in Progress, the Vivid event for last year, Vivid 2015. That animation was amazing, and it just really, it all came alive sort of thing. So do you work with them when they're actually building the identity, or you're just taking what they've done and... A little bit of both. When I was an interbrand, what was really interesting was, I guess, most motion designers, and generally how I work now, I generally take a design at a point, and then I start working with that. So, um, but... At Interbrand, what was really interesting when I started working there, I was generally involved from the conceptual stage. So I worked much more like a designer um, in a branding studio where you're conceptualizing the idea from the beginning. And what was great working with the two creative directors there at the time, Mike Rigby and Chris McLean, was they always loved the idea of thinking. They used to describe it as thinking in motion first. So the idea that the motion, working on it from the beginning, thinking about how an identity can move, as soon as we had assets, start making it move and the motion would inform the design as much as the design would inform the motion. Mm-hmm. At a point like now, I generally come in at a later stage, but that Paul Garbutt poster, uh, Ben Miles and I went over and briefed Paul, and then uh, Paul and I kicked a, a few, around a few ideas of how it could move. 
that one that I animated was not the final. So the whole idea was that it was a work in progress. So, right. Uh, yeah. So the final cute. the final screen print was <laughs> was different to the one that I animated. Yeah. Uh, nice. So that was a really cool project. And obviously, you know, working with 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 Paul was awesome because he just does such beautiful design. Yeah. Mm. We were really lucky with Agda last year. We had two of like the best sort of smaller boutique, um, great sort of um, design studios in Sydney. We had Garbett and End of Work doing a lot of the uh, collateral for, right. uh, for yeah. Agda. Mm. So that was awesome. But also I've got to throw a shout out to Ian Camilleri who did the awesome sound design on that video. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how do you work with the sound guy? What stage did they come into the... Mm. To the process yeah. they come in at the end and throw in a jingle or i'm so, assuming it was more complex than that yeah 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 so basically the whole idea with that work in progress poster was that we wanted it to feel like it was a work in progress and the whole idea was that with that poster it's like swirls and it's like graphics that move and it's, it's um like the idea was that it was like the layers were like layers built up on top of each other swirls of like chaos of like one part of your brain going another direction and overlapping on itself um to basically you know get to let's say an idea so I wanted the animation to sort of reflect that, but the sound design as well. So my brief to the sound designer was, I wanted to feel glitchy, but I also wanted to feel fun. So I don't mind a little bit of glitch and distortion, but I'm thinking toilet flushes. I'm thinking like, you know, um, old dot matrix printers right. and sounds. I'm thinking like right. anything that relates, like blue pops, anything that relates to the creative process whatsoever. <laughs> so that was the that was the result. So cool. So basically, yeah, I often have a little bit of a brief for the sound designers. Sometimes I get them involved much more much, much earlier. Like let's say. Um, when I've got the storyboarding sort of stage done. Yep. Mm. But sometimes I get them involved at the end and say, hey, this is an animation I've done. These are my thoughts. What do you guys think? So I've been using uh, a sound design studio recently called Smith & Weston. Nice. Okay. Um, which is really cool because basically the two guys that run it, um, Ant Smith. Right. And the other guy is Nick West. Oh, man, they didn't have a choice. They had so, to call it Smith exactly, & Weston, didn't they? Exactly. <laughs> and they're both, like, they're both like, Nick West is a really cool music producer for uh, an act, um, sort of big, sort of, um, used to be techno now, more sort of house music. They're called Shades of Grey. And then uh, Ant is um, uh, part of, or his band is Salmonella Dub from New Zealand. Oh, so, wow, okay. Yeah, cool. So those guys are just up in, up in Surrey. So. Yeah, right. It's a whole other world, isn't it? Like we're sitting here talking about, we talk about kind of our graphic design world and then our digital and then totally. UX yeah. and everything. And we're talking you in motion. Yeah. And then you you get to kind of, I, I see this Venn diagram in my head of like, yeah. <laughs> of you, part, yeah. are you crossing all these other paths yeah. that why yeah. would we ever talk yeah. to sound studios? And sound is and sound is just like, it's crucial. Like I see right. sound, like sometimes people say, oh, we haven't thought about sound. We're just thinking music. Do you th- really think we need sound design? Yes, absolutely. We'll make your yeah. project 200 times better. So especially if you're working with something that has a fantastic sound system, like somewhere like semi-permanent, oh, right? Ab- absolutely. So absolutely. Ha- so yeah. See, that's that's. Do you would you approach something that's seen on those big screens? Because the idea of the semi-permanent things is that mostly for for the days. So for the three days or the week, or is it shown online as well? My the part that I worked on. So I worked on, I guess, the motion branding. So we came up with a whole bunch of little templates that Murray can use, that Murray and the and the semi-permanent team can use. Right. So how a super will move. How basically they've got these things. I think they're, they're called five before five. How they will move and little YouTube videos that they do. I also did three videos demonstrating the system, demonstrating like a mechanical system of the depth of the layers of semi-permanent. So it's like three animated trees that happen, and they define on the website. You can explore these areas on the website under the design, culture, and business headings. Right. But then from there, we'd have made so many assets that I created a whole montage of anything else that Murray wants to do from here with this brand in motion he can pretty much refer to this like little mo- uh, wow. montage case study that's like the motion guidelines so to speak wow, great. I'm doing more and more of that kind of work more mm. and more motion guidelines I just finished some work with um, the Powerhouse Museum 
where oh, yeah. I took their new brand, beautiful brand done by Museum Suzanne. of Arts and Museum of Applied, Applied Arts, Arts and Sciences. Arts and Sciences yeah, right? of Applied Arts and Sciences, Mars. Yeah. yeah. So I worked with basically um, the media producer and their team there to create, I guess, bring their brand to life. So Suzanne Boccalate from Boccalate, yep. she uh, rebranded Mars, and I think she did a fantastic job. And my job was then to give them templates for. Um, Mars for the master brand and also Recollect which is their visible collection storage mm. which is another thing that they do and then we also made like a ident like a 3D item that they can replace photos in because they've got like a collection of over 3,000 photos of all their objects that the public might never see so we created this whole system that they can update themselves so I'm doing more and more of that kind of work like not just doing the motion but then creating motion systems and guidelines motion guidelines that people can use yeah, so that must be that must be quite interesting. Like trying to make it, and this isn't to insult anyone, but trying to make it idiot proof as much as possible, so that because often, yeah, <laughs> honestly, not trying to insult anybody, but you know, it's kind of like the whole the idea of um, you know, as a brand designer or something, creating this package, you know, um, bleeding over it, sweating over it, you know, um, and then giving it to someone, and then you know, you've given them a website with five menus, and the next month you look over there, it's got eighteen menus, yeah. and you know everything's broken, and, and sh- you know, so, sort of thinking yeah. that wasn't yeah. part of the brief. What's yeah. happened here? Yeah. So and, and, and yeah, and like, and the thing is, like, that happens all the time. Like, coming from a background at Interbrand, how often did we pass off a brand and yeah. just see it absolutely destroyed? But <laughs> and, and, and you know, because people look at graphics and especially branding, like branding looks so simple. And, and like, just want to give a shout out to. Um, for the people and their work on the Biennale. If you haven't seen yeah. it, they put their yeah. case study up. I am just, I'm just in awe. I've looked, I've scrolled it twice now. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just beautiful, it's just beautiful work. And I think sometimes people look at branding um, from outside and they go, oh, that's simple. But it's really, it's really, really hard mm, to yeah. craft something, make it simple, but make it just a great piece of, I guess, a great piece of communication design. It's really hard to sort of like craft that and, and make it look awesome. So if it's hard enough with graphics, with motion, it's, mm. e- it's even harder mm. because people go, oh, yeah, I've got a copy of After Effects. I've kicked Premiere around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can do this. What's, yeah. the, what's yeah. the built-in, like iMovie or something? Like uh, yeah, I think uh, it is iMovie. Yeah. But it's interesting because when, when we spoke to Chris McLean, yeah. he, was, he actually talked about you yep. and he talked about this idea that this problem of, of building the brand and, you know, it might be very simple, yeah. but once it moved, yeah. suddenly people could understand it and relate yeah. to it a lot more. So Chris McLean loves motion more, more than any other, more than <laughs> any other creative director I know. And I love that about him. He really does put motion. He puts motion at the forefront of everything. He's constantly on the lookout for motion designers. He's constantly getting motion designers into his studio. I don't think there's anybody that, that appreciates like motion for branding as much as much as Chris he was like I guess the, the reason I kind of they started looking for someone like me at, at his brand like a full time mm. motion designer mm-hmm. yeah because he just knew it was the right way to go and that was a few years ago now that's going back five years mm. it's kind of this thing that seems to happen in the particularly the design industry where there's kind of these places that have all the right people at all the right time almost everybody that was working there is off doing super interesting things somewhere else Frost is an example Moon Communication is yep. an example like about you know four or five years ago um, and Interbrand is probably Interbrand, one of those places yeah, as well yeah, right absolutely. yeah like I didn't even know what branding was before I started to work there and I remember going to this meeting I was sort of like I'd finished at a production studio I was looking for my next role I was a motion designer and this guy from Firebrand, he said, oh, Mike, I've got a, got a, a job. And I, I, I interbrand. I had never heard of them. And mm. the idea of branding, I knew of advertising, but I didn't know mm. branding. I mean, I came from a production studio background, so like broadcast and film and TV. And I went in and met, I met Joao. I don't know. So, so, oh, yeah. so Joao, like he's just an absolute legend. Joao's this Brazilian guy, um, Joao Perez. And we worked really, really closely together. We became one of my best friends. He's working at Apple in San Fran at the moment. 
he was in the interview and Mike Rigby, you know, and, um, and, and Chris as well, Chris McLean. And it was just, I had no idea what branding was, but I was, I was captivated by these guys. And I was just like so intrigued. I mean, they really spoke about these brands having the power to change the world. And they truly believed that. And I think for a period over that four years that I was there, I think everybody for most of that time came to work every day believing that that was what we were doing. Mm. Yeah. And it was just a powerhouse. So, you know, there was those guys and Chris Doyle was there at yeah. that time. Andrew Druk, who's also over yeah. in San Francisco at Apple and, you know, Ben Miles. Yeah. So that was yeah. just that was just design directors and CDs, let alone Rich Curtis and, yeah. and Damien at the helm, Andy Wright in, in Melbourne. Like it really was, it was a powerhouse. And I could go on like, Joao was just an, an all-rounder. Like this guy could illustrate animate he was doing all the animation before i arrived you know he was just right. a brilliant designer and then you know everybody there was just was yeah and and mike rigby's over in mike new york he's in new york i visited mm. him with last RGA, year with rga yeah. Yeah. yeah bigging it up like just right. killing it it's, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's mike rigby on. mike rigby's amazing yeah mm. yeah so i want to take us back now back we go way back all the way back <laughs> airs rock mm. it consultant yeah it help so, desk for the airs rock resort so how what <sighs> Just run us through. Yeah. So tell us the story about how. So the, so basically, I was working for a publishing studio, and I was really excited by the, the graphic design side of this publishing company. So this publishing company did trade magazines, and they were called Intermedia. So before yeah. Interbrand, yeah. there was a place called Intermedia. <laughs> so you had the Inter. I had the Inter. Yeah. And there was a graphic design studio attached, and they were called Intervision. Right. And they were just doing trade <laughs> magazines, you know. But I was just really excited by this graphic yeah. design idea. But I'd done uh, IT. I'd studied IT, and then I basically started working for these guys who did – they needed me to help out with the IT and the networking and, um, you know, and basically – uh, I was really intrigued by the graphic design side of things. And I got to get involved with, you know, when the dot-com boom happened, I was involved in just, like, uploading images and writing simple, like, mail-to links for email and stuff and yeah. just really simple HTML stuff. And then I remember getting an email uh, – not not an email. I got a phone call from a recruiter who offered – who said she had an IT job. It would be a great opportunity, an IT job in Ayers Rock. At the time – I thought she was talking about the Blue Mountains. Oh, I don't right. know why, it just didn't click. And <laughs> wow. I thought, let me think about it. And then I, it dawned on me. I was like, I turned around to my friend and I said, oh, you know, I've just been off this job at Airsoft. She's gone, what? My God, that's crazy, you know? <laughs> and then it dawned on me where, where it was. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take it. And all my mates were like, you're mad. Like, you'll be back in a month. I ended up staying there for two and a half years. I loved it. Wow. It was brilliant. Like, yeah, I just loved it. It's like really little town. You're surrounded by red dirt. I mean, no traffic lights, one roundabout. You know, 2,000 staff that are roughly your age, and I was 21. Wow. Proper resort life. Like, it was right. awesome. You know, then not only, like, loads of um, locals, so a really transient place with locals, but a really transient place, obviously, with tourists as well. Mm. It was just so much fun. So I did a year in IT, but I fell in love with the place so much that I basically threw it in and I became a tour guide. Oh, really? Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So during this time, I basically um, learned to play a didgeridoo. I wanted to ask about the didgeridoo. Yeah, learn to play didgeridoo. Yeah. So, um, and the thing was, they have a dinner out there. So, for anybody who's been out to Central Australia to the Airs Rock Resort, they might have done this dinner. There's like this five star dining experience. It's called Sounds of Silence. And yeah. you go out on a coach and you get dropped at this secret location. You walk up a dune and you watch the sunrise and you listen to a didgeridoo before going down and having your Australian meal and having a star talk. It's a really nice night. The reason Aboriginal people don't play the didgeridoo out there, which I didn't know before I went out, is because the local Aboriginal people who are Anangul people, they don't have the, the termites and they don't have the wood, so they've never had didgeridoos. Oh. Didgeridoos come oh, from right. a really small pocket of northeast Arnhem Land, hmm. and basically that's where they come from. That's where they've been traditionally played. And you said termites. 
Yeah, so what? termites basically eat certain species of eucalyptus, and that's right. what naturally makes the didgeridoo. Oh, so, so you yeah. just be walking along, pick up didgeridoo on the well, ground, pick it up. Well, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a live tree. It's a it's a live tree, but you you tap because I've been I actually went up and spent some time with the animal people up north with wow. traditional custodians, which was really cool. And went uh, basically didgeridoo cutting with them, and they tap the outside of a tree with an axe, listen through its hollow. Uh, they know what they're listening for because they've been doing it for you know years, mm. and then they basically chop the tree down, shave off all the bark on the outside, and it's literally whack a bit of beeswax on the end. It's literally ready to play. Wow! Wow! So yeah, you talk about it like it's so like I just picked it up and I started playing it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I basically sort of I, I really wanted to learn it. Like I was just captivated by this sound. I wanted to learn the didgeridoo. Yeah. So I remember I bought myself a didgeridoo from the local tourist shop, and I remember just playing every single day. I thought if I can do it an hour every day surely I can learn this thing pretty quickly I got the circular breathing within within a week so the circular breathing to play continuously but then it was probably rubbish for the next like year or two after three years I started I guess getting it started getting really refined and um, where I could make all sorts of different rhythms and play really punchy sort of staccato contemporary style Um, and then I played ended up playing for about 10 years and it was a huge part of my life for a long time like I used to busk down on, on at Chinatown. I right. busked all over the city, like Pitt Street, um, you know, M- Martin Place, uh, Chinatown. We, we were always at Chinatown. Yeah. So busking was right. a big part of my life. We were selling CDs then, so wow. you know, wouldn't be able, really be able to sell CDs now. But <laughs> we were selling CDs, and it was just it was just really cool. And I was I was basically used to be in a band. Then I left the band, made my own project, and so I was able to tour and busk and basically get by and do a little bit of design on the side, like. <laughs> Just, just a bit of design on the side of your didgeridoo career. Yeah. I love just it. A bit of de- I, n- nothing too serious, you know, just making my own sort of album covers and websites and that kind of thing. Just yeah. keeping up. Because I'd studied, when I got back from Central Australia, I went and studied. So I'd studied digital media by this stage and then I got sort of, music sort of took over. So it was a while before I got back into my first job. You played at Glastonbury, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I played with a band. A band. Right. I joined a band. Wow. I used to work in a didgeridoo shop. I joined a band oh called Luna Loop. <laughs> and we, they were quite big in... In, in Europe so we basically we'd play you know we'd play you know we'd play some gigs in Sydney we'd play the Beach Hotel in, in um, or the Beach Road Hotel in Bondi yeah. and we'd play some good venues in Sydney but we got to go up up north a lot so we'd play like Yamba we'd play the Beach Hotel in Byron Bay we'd go we'd go sort of go all the way up north and but in Europe in, in, our, in our winter the European summer we'd go to Europe and we had loads of gigs book, books. We had an wow. agent in Czech, an agent in Holland, and an agent in the UK. And that agent in the UK was able to get us on stages at Glastonbury, but good stages, more than one stage. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. Just so I've got the timeline right, where, so you've done digital media what, a degree yep. at this point? Yeah, did my digital media degree when I got back from Central Australia in 2003. Right. At the end of that, though, yeah. and I just I just want to bring this up because I just I found this really interesting. You you won the Sony Foundation. I'm going to read this Sony Foundation Technology and Science Scholarship for Digital Media. Yeah, what yeah. is that? So basically, um, so when I was at uni, I was I, I worked so hard. I worked so hard at uni. I mean, I mean, I work hard now. But it sounds I worked, like you always work. I worked so. really, really, really hard at uni. Like I like blood, sweat, and tears. I was committed, and um. They had this, I wasn't even going to go for it, but one of my lecturers said, look, there's a competition that happens amongst a few universities and it's a Sony Foundation scholarship and it's basically prize money that you win. And she said, I want to put your work forward so you can put a collection of your work together. So in this course, we were doing 3D modeling, 3D animation, um, we were doing web programming, we were doing graphic design, uh, sound design for new media. We were working with Flash then and Director, if anyone remembers I remember Director, yeah. So basically, yeah, so I put my little... uh, piece of like my collections together and ended up winning it 
I ended up winning $12,500 for this Sony Foundation Science and Technology Scholarship. It was really cool, and they had a big <laughs> ceremony for it. And, you wow. Know, but I didn't re- I, at this point, I still didn't realize how big it was. So we went to the ceremony, and everybody... Everybody's there in suits. I've rocked up in jeans and a t-shirt ready to get to class. <laughs> oh, thanks. This is what's yeah. fantastic. I've got to get to class. Whatevs. And I left and I walked in and my teacher was like, what are you doing here? Get back there and celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're holding a didgeridoo at the same time. <laughs> I should have been. I should have been. Yeah. So, so that was, yeah. So that was, that was really I just, cool. I just love the picture that like, they're like, this is a really big award. And you're like, yeah, this is kind of just a side project because the didgeridoo like is. <laughs> is what I'm of, all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. It. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of a weird way. Sort of like just a weird way of getting into sort of. So, so then you're in the music. You spent all that $12,500 on didgeridoos. Yep, yep. Um, What happened to bring you back? Yeah, so basically it got to the point. So when I left the band Lunar Loop, I wanted to do my own project. So in 2005, I decided I was going to write an album. And the bass player um, from Lunar Loop gave me a hand. And what happened, by the time we were nearly done, he decided, he on tour, he'd met a, a Dutch girl and fallen in love with her, and he was going to go over and marry her, and he's still there now. Um, and I wanted to finish this uh, album and basically i guess use it to um you know for for busking and to you know sell on on the street and see what what could come of it so by this stage i was like my own project and i guess my music from there got i guess darker and more underground i guess i really really love and i still do i love like big progressive um Mm. house and techno so i was writing that stuff with the didgeridoo delay pedals so there's only a certain few places you can play that sort of music and that's like (laughs) right that's like sort of along the sort of you know Bushdoofs and yeah. sort of raves and yeah. so generally not, not in the middle of Chinatown. <laughs> well, this is the thing we were we were but at much lower volumes, you know. Right. So weekends where I was booked for very for, for very little money, I was travelling like huge distances, like up to Grafton or you know like Miss a Body or Barrel or Nambaka Heads and playing these mad parties. It was cool, but you'd give up your whole weekend for very little money. And eventually, it just I just got to the point where I thought I've got this degree kind of going to waste. Yeah. I loved I loved animation and motion I just at the tail end of my music career started to really tap into that so I thought I'm gonna I'm just gonna go help for leather and and just and just go for it so I gave the music up gave it up gave it up it's gone it's gone I still do open up Ableton Live every now and then and have a good, you know, slam out a bass line or something. Yeah. Hey, man, we're recording in Ableton Live. <laughs> hey, yeah. awesome. We are awesome. For the first I, time ever. I love it. I've used it, like, since version version 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. You can give me some tips. Yeah. You can give me some fantastic. tips after this, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, and the thing was, the reason I gave it up is because, like, motion takes so much time. Like, motion, 3D, 2D, and the software and the plugins, it's all so complex. Yeah on its own let alone music which is complex in itself yeah. so yeah doing both is, is virtually impossible I thought I'd rather mm. be really good at one thing yeah we need to talk about this so um, so f- for me I quite enjoy the end process of a lot of this stuff mm. but doing motion editing so opening up Premiere Pro and um, all that sort of stuff because I need to edit stuff for creative mornings quite often more than I sh- more than I care to admit it's like pulling teeth for me it's there are two things I really hate doing now it's washing dishes <laughs> and editing video. So how do you how do you do it? Are you just do you just get into a zen like state and you go for f- two hours, four hours flat out, go yeah. up and get a coffee, come back and yeah. knock it out? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, I just I just try it out. Try and get into that <laughs> How state. How do you do that? I just try and sit down and focus. I often try and get into work. This this is going to sound crazy, but yesterday I was getting into work before sunrise. Yeah, I saw you, twi- I saw you yeah. tweeted about that. Just needed those yeah. hours of power. No phone, no email, yeah. no distractions. Yeah. Yeah. Because during the day, the phone's ringing, the email's going. Um, and you're in yeah, a shared constantly. space as well. So it's I mean, an I mean, extra space. level of yeah. kind of... You know. And this week I've just made my first hire, which is really exciting. Oh, we're going to so, talk, yeah. talk about so that. So he needs time. You know, he needs attention. So... So yeah, so basically, um, and I sometimes go in like on a, on a weekend, and I try to make up that time, you know, somewhere else. But sometimes I go in on a weekend because the phone doesn't ring, the emails don't go, and I can just just get into the zone and have those few like what I describe as hours of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's been my attempt at solving that problem as well. Any kind of heavy kind of editing or anything like that is usually a Saturday. And thankfully, I'm not too far away. So it's very easy to come in here and this is work yeah. and that's home mm. and all that sort of stuff. I think it's an interesting because you always talk about how it is like pulling teeth for you. But I find I've like, developed I've developed a, like a, a hatred for it. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I used to enjoy it a lot, but I've I've gone through like six hours of something and then realised everything was yeah. off, and I didn't have the technical know how to fix it. Yeah. yeah. No one to talk yeah. to about it, and it had to be done. So I've had to scrap everything I've done and then redone from yeah. scratch. And that so much something happened there to me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just find there's some, th- something so gratifying about when you produce a little motion piece. And again, you know, I'm nowhere near where you are, but just that whole. It's so gratifying and able, able to show people and they, they instantly sort of get it. Where yeah, yeah. if it's a, a brand, for yeah, example, yeah. or even even a layout or something like that, quite yeah. often you have to sort of spend time taking them through about yeah. why it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Where with motion, I just find like people just get it. It's kind of like, self-explanatory. Okay. Yeah. Right? Do you know, like Chris McLean, uh, this is a, a Chris McLean quote that I love. He says, motion is a shortcut to the soul. Right, yeah. And Joao as well used to say, you go into presence. You can go into a presentation, have a hundred slides in your keynote deck, or press play on a video, and say the same thing, just with more emotion. Yeah, mm. that's the power, I guess, the power of of emotion piece. Why? Know? Why is that though? I guess I always think that the the audio, the power of audio visuals, audio and visuals combined, can be really emotive mm. and exciting. It's just you're tapping into what senses I, I think i think so yeah yeah i think so it's like when you think like how powerful like when you when you i mean and Im- if it if an image says a thousand words mm-hmm. then a video i guess we could say could say a million right now it's probably a little bit of a lame analogy but you know i think just it, it is it's more it's more sensory you know you think of when you watch a, a powerful like a powerful movie like go watch Requiem for a dream in a dark room and see if that doesn't that doesn't mm. you know, yeah <laughs> if yeah. that doesn't hit the spot you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't know is, is there is there a a, an enormous hidden motion design community in Sydney that I'm completely <laughs> the, unaware the of. Underground. Yeah, I've I've been talking to. I can't find that. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of people about this. There's what, see what happens at uni. And this is the course that I would have done. So the older style of courses, they say the sort of digital media courses that I did. What happened when a lot of people finished? You'd learned pieces of software like Maya. Right. which is more aimed at the, I guess, the um, feature film market. Yep. And you'd learned um, compositing pieces of software like Shake, which is discontinued now, but Lord of the Rings was composited in Shake. Nuke by the Foundry would have probably sort of overtaken that now. Then there's things like Flame, which is like a sort of high-end compositing suite, but um, the software. But what happens is, I guess, a lot of people who, do, who did motion, like when I did, and even a little bit later, wanted to go into the feature film industry, which is huge. Right. But motion for branding is relatively new and is relatively young. And I think people who study, I think the majority of people who study visual communication go more into 
graphic design. Yeah. Um, yep. And when I say graphic design, that's not necessarily true. Some would just go into one of the more graphic design studios, but some people want to go into those like you know those agencies where they you know where they're you know real strategic creative agencies. Mm-hmm. You know where you're problem solving and problem solving through visual communication. I think that motion is is just an extension of that. I think of myself as a brand designer, and mm. I specialize in motion. You know, I think I can kick strategy, I kick around strategy with strategists. I can have a crack at writing. I'm not a great writer, but I love to like have a part in writing a script. I think communication and presenting is a huge part of that. I can design, um, but motion design is my specialty. And I think, you know, Chris McLean has said before that IDEO coined the term of T-shaped people, where you specialize in one area, yep. but you're quite broad across the base. And I think that's so important. So, I think what happens with a lot of students is that's how I love branding, hmm. but I think that motion is just is just another another part of that. So I think motion design for branding, not necessarily feature films, but for branding, is a relatively not not young because a lot of people are doing it and have been doing it for a long time. But mm. I guess yeah, that's where I think there's a real. I, I personally think there's a bit of a gap there. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do too. I'm also seeing it in in another area um, when we're teaching teaching people digital design skills, um, even in even user experience as well. So at the at, at the moment, one of the courses that we're doing, um, we have students doing hi-fi prototypes and a lot of them are designing in keynote because it's quick and it's fast and you can show people the interaction Um, but then a week ago we're doing lo-fi prototypes and they're saying well the button kind of goes like this and it does this and it's like cool and they're like oh it's really annoying I just want to show I can't explain this Um, and it's like don't worry about it next week we'll We'll teach you how to yeah. do that part, yeah. and then as soon as you can start doing that, it just makes sense. Oh, like you, totally. it's, as you said, it's a bit of a shortcut. You don't have to explain it; it doesn't take time. You see it, and you go, oh, "I get it." Mm. Totally, I get what happens when I press that button. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Keynote as well is is an amazing tool, and I've heard of more and more people animating and doing decent animation in Keynote. Mm. I think people shy away from, let's say, like sort of motion, where you know, sort of After Effects and and three D, um, along with like development like code you know not not ux but code mm. because it's hard it's really hard and it can look really bad if it's done badly absolutely absolutely and, and all those emotions that we're saying that a good piece can bring out absolutely. kind of flip on its head when it's done badly absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah totally totally i often get a call and my crowd this piece of work done we're not happy with it of course you're not happy with it it's rubbish right <laughs> it's rubbish and you probably got it done for 150 bucks yeah but what did you get what you pay for yeah absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. like like the like turning your hand and this is the thing a lot of the stuff I do a lot of the motion for branding is it looks really simple but like we were saying before like good communication design looks really simple yeah looks mm. really simple and that's the idea you know mm. the devil is in the, is in is in the detail and especially with motion you know getting everything lined up perfectly and all the curves working mm. seamlessly and getting that moving that timing and pacing that life in it that's um you know that that's crucial yeah yeah it takes years of practice to get to that simple thing and, yeah, that, exactly. that all that and that's is, yeah. the difference between a good and bad piece of animation Mm. Yep. So something else that we wanted to talk about was like I think when I first met you, um, you were rocking the braces, which yeah. I had uh, yeah. for a while growing up. That's not yeah. much fun, but you're an older man with braces. Yes. So braces is in teeth braces. Yes, yeah. not, face not, braces, like, not like a leg yeah. brace. Yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. As in, as in orthotic braces. Right, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> the official term. Yeah. So yeah. What's, the, what's the story behind that? Yeah. So basically, um, and, and I, I've never, I've never spoken about this. Uh, just because I, I just I just I just haven't I've never put on Facebook I've, I've never really spoken about it, and I was I re- really I guess. When Are you I okay listened, to speak about it? Now? Was yeah, yeah yeah I guess when I listened to 
Justin's ADR. Hmm. And just at the end, he spoke about oh, yeah. what he, what he went dying. through. Yeah. 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 And that was amazing. And I never knew that. And mine's nowhere near as bad as that. But, you know, it was, it was a really full-on time. So while I was at Interbrand, I guess I was going through this excru- excruciating pain. I was on a lot of meds. Right. Um, basically because uh, years ago, I was in this accident that threw my jaw out. It basically threw the discs out, which basically sit in between the tip of your jaw and the base of your skull just threw it out ever so slightly and I had this clicking jaw but it was fine and I ignored it I ignored it for years and years and years and years and years right. and this click this clicking jaw got worse and worse and worse what I didn't realise because you know I never went and checked it out I wasn't in pain was the disc was basically being pushed out and eventually the disc just displaces and once it's displaced then the other one gets jammed in a weird position and what ends up happening is basically in my case and this is quite rare a lot of people have displaced discs or clicking their jaw and they can live with it for a lifetime and will never know the difference but what happened with me is it basically cut off the blood flow and the bones basically I developed osteoarthritis is where the bones get quite necrotic and they start eroding wow and the basically the the I guess the answer I was given here from seeing the three three or four top surgeons in Australia none of them in Sydney had to travel for them was a total joint replacement where they basically chop some of the condyle off they open up basically the just below the ear they basically open up quite a bit of that that part of your cheek they go in wow. there chop off the the top of the um the condyle and put like a, a metal like a hip replacement but in your jaw I was like, that's insane. Wow. That is insane. And you have to get them replaced and it's aggressive and that area is already under trauma and it's just no yeah. good. So anyway, after a lot of research, this is this is going to sound crazy, but I found one of the most progressive surgeons with such a good reputation in, in America, in Florida. And I thought, I'm going to go and visit this guy. I'm eating meds. I'm not in a good place. I've basically got this aggressive osteoarthritis, this bone disease. So when I saw this guy, had an all-day consult with him where he does scans, he does CT scans, MRIs, he gets in there with, with like, he takes impressions and amazing. He was basically able to diagnose it. So I ended up having my surgery with him. And what he did was basically took out the, the discs, the, the damaged discs, with microsurgery, with keyhole surgery, and replaced them with fat from my stomach. So it was oh, a fat wow. graft. What? And after that, for nine months, my mouth was shut my mouth was sealed shut with a splint and and for I, nine months for nine months i was working with it a lot of people in interbrand knew this i went through this oh I, that that right guy's a bit quiet <laughs> yeah god that my guy's a dick like, yeah. i say hi to him every morning the, he's just like uh. the problem wasn't the problem was i wasn't i was still so, <laughs> still so loud i'll do anything to talk to these things but i had limited windows to basically sort of take them off and and you know and basically you know i had to quickly eat and i couldn't chew i couldn't chew for nine months just really soft soft food and not wow. liquid diet but really soft food wow. it's amazing what you can eat <laughs> it's amazing what you can eat without chewing it's amazing like, like what give, give us an example anything egg anything yeah no, no I'm talking have, like, I'm use, talking the, like, use the blender like. oh no 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 yeah at first people said they blended the food I'm like that's disgusting but you can chop it up and you can squash it with your tongue you can you can, you can eat you yeah, know right. but yeah, yeah. So, so nine months and then after that I needed basically just normal orthotic braces, but for a long time, for like a year and a half. So a lot of people that were meeting me would might have thought, oh, he's just got braces, but not many people at this age have braces. So that's the, that's the that's story. That's the story. Wow. It, was, okay. it, was, it was huge. It, it was huge. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a, yeah. So what, so what n- nearly three years? Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, my Nearly God. three years. I've still got one last visit to go back. So at the so moment... So going back to Florida? Yeah, one last visit. I've been okay. going through, like, bite equilibration. So I've been going and seeing this guy uh, over in Burwood, and he's basically been, like, after my braces came off, 
the bite still wasn't perfect. So he's been like shaving down little bits of my teeth to try and equilibrate the bite to get it into a normal position. But um, yeah, it's like look, relatively pain free. It'll never be perfect, but I've, I've, I'm right now. If this lasts for the rest of my life, uh, stoked. Yeah, so, super happy. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask the question to. I mean, it just seems like such a crazy thing to have to go through. What, what's different for you now after being through that? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, totally. I think, you know, you always think before this happens, you always think, I'm in pain, like I'm in excruciating pain, I'm eating meds, and this is crazy. If I come out of this, you know, if I come out of the other side, I'm going to be the nicest person. I'm going to get out of I'm going to get out of bed every day. I'm going to smell the roses. I'm going to take yeah. the time to appreciate. But you, you, you don't. When you're pain free, you just get back into life as normal. But every now and then, I get a little bit of a pang of pain. I get reminded that mm. you know I'm, I'm. I guess what I've taken out of it, it's super character building. To so have your mouth wired shut for 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 nine months, you know, to be around some of your closest friends, to like you know like. Basically, you know, put put a lot of things on hold during that period. You know, to come out of the back like of that, kissing, you, for example, <laughs> for one. <laughs> but to come out of the back of that, you appreciate. You know, you do. You appreciate the. You you can't help but appreciate the finer things. It's you know when people say those sorts of things only make you stronger. Yeah. Shit, yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely, they certainly do. Certainly do. Wow, man, yeah. that is awesome. You, Thanks you, for sharing yeah. that. No yeah. worries, no worries. Yeah, and like I said, like when I heard Justin share his like really, really um, like incredible story, I just thought, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe I will I will talk about it at some this stage. This is the yeah. platform. This is yeah. the new platform. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, yeah, cool. So so there you go. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. Let's 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 talk about a particular job. So I was going to ask about the Darling Harbour mm. identity. Mm. Yeah, and cool. the, the balloon type. And, yeah, and you did lots of work on that. Yeah, I did. I did. So where 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 did you get brought in, and how how did you use motion to kind of pull yeah. those? Yeah, so this project, Darling Harbour, was, was, was an absolute train wreck. You know, it oh, was really? A, it was an, it was an <laughs> I've, I've only seen like, the final pieces. It looks amazing. Yeah, it was an absolute, it was an absolute train wreck. So basically, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Mike Rigby and Chris McLean were leading it and just really trying to do something really unique and really original and really different. And Damien, was, Damien um, Borchok, who was the CEO at that time, he was, he was really involved as well. And we just wanted to do something really, really powerful. And I was on another job and um, there were a few a couple of different sort of design teams on it and while the work that was being done looked looked great it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't screaming it wasn't screaming what Mike and Chris wanted and Mm. I remember when they had this idea they they came up with this idea I remember they they grabbed me in a room they said Mike we think we're going to get you off this and we're going to come and have a chat so we got this idea for this inflatable identity and I was like okay that sounds cool you know I used to get really excited when Mm. Mike and Chris were telling me about you know (laughs) the idea it's like inflatable identity that sounds cool and they're like yeah imagine like this brand that when it was at its least excited it was just like fairly normal, but but you know it looked great. But when I got really excited, it screamed and it was just big and it like filled the room and it just filled this space, you know. And I was like, that that's actually quite cool. So, you know, at its most expressive, it can be this really this really like you know big and powerful thing that's really loud and vibrant, and you know that could that could scale depending on depending on who it was talking to or what, what message it was saying. So then the idea, the I guess the strategy, the the I guess the strategic sort of tagline was um was big time, right. Okay. And Darling Harbour being this place that I guess, you know, like, I guess... Had it had its heyday. Had its heyday. Had so many, like, 25 million visitors a year. Mm. They basically just wanted to inject some vibrancy back into place. So that's where the inflatable identity that we came up with, I guess, ended up basically, basically going through. And that went through with flying colours from the time that was presented 
all the way through it was virtually untouched to the time that it launched and Darling Harbour really went to town they did everything they didn't just do you know a few posters and a website they went to town like they made mm. every little they got 30 foot letters in, in the area <laughs> there, there's clearly a budget somewhere yeah. Yeah. and every year Darling yeah. Harbour and certain other places in Absolutely. Sydney are just like how the hell are we going to spend all this cash yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but like this this 3D this 3D this 3D type I mean I was using cinema at this stage but I wasn't using it loads and I was like I had to create from the typeface back, B-A-Q, I had to create like every single letter. I had to create every single letter in 3D because we needed to be able to texture them. So I needed to basically, for anyone out there that, you know, understands a little bit about 3D, you know, I needed good topology on these letters because I needed to unwrap basically the the polygonal, the mesh. I needed to unwrap the mesh and put our own patterns on it. We wanted to have stripes for Christmas. We wanted to be able to put fireworks on them with reflections and we wanted to be able to do all these things so it could be really expressive. And yeah, it was a real, it was a real, it was a, it was a, it was an intense project, and, and the end result we, we were really, really proud of. You know, it was original and it was unique, and it was everything that I guess we wanted the Darling Harbour brand to, to be able yeah. to do, and so it's still going. Yeah, this comes back a little bit to kind of talking about like creating this motion, creating this, creating this stuff, giving it to a client. Like you didn't give them a piece of motion. Like, are, are you giving them the assets? Are you giving them 4D assets so they can skin it? Well, are you keeping a retainer so they can continue well, updating? Yeah, here's the thing. We came up with this really, really cool idea, and we were just feeling it. I remember, uh, yeah, we, we were feeling it. And right after the I'm feeling it, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting it from you sitting right here. It was right. a long time ago, and I wasn't even there. Right up to the presentation. <laughs> and, you know, you go going around the clock. We were working hard on this one. The client hadn't seen the balloons. Oh, right. They hadn't seen the balloons. Right. <laughs> they might have been told we had this idea for an inflatable identity, but they hadn't seen balloons. Walking into that presentation, I remember I wasn't in there, but Rigas, when he came back, he had, this, he had this big smile on his face. He was beaming from me to ear. And he said, man, when I pressed play on that video, he said, I was just looking around the room. He said, people were smiling. People were literally like just bouncing in their seat. Mm. And he said from there, the, 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 the presentation was a breeze. Right. Nice. Breeze. nice. So basically, yeah. we opened up with this, this, this just this video that, that just captured the brand. No text, no check saying your brand or, you mm. know, with all the, you know, lines or copy that we had, just big words, play bang New Year's mm. Eve you know like mm. and that just captured the essence of the brand and we shot we shot Darling Harbour we shot footage in Darling Harbour and then tracked that footage and then composited the balloons in it so they mm. felt like they were part of the space that was like one of the main things I think I saw like when it was on mm. brand yeah. new or something yeah. like that like that's yeah. the hero kind yeah. of shot yeah. wasn't it yeah, yeah exactly so so how does that tie back in with the assets sort of thing so did you give them so, yeah so then basically Ed Hall by this stage Ed Hall had come on and um, he came up with this really, really cool idea of creating, like, it, well, basically we had the idea. It wasn't his idea of creating the photo, the, the a system for them with Photoshop, but he cracked it. He worked out how we could get these letters, these renders into Photoshop, basically make them smart objects, put a bunch of colors, like color layers on them that you could turn on and off that would recolor them to make the brand colors, give right. them in different sizes from one smart object. It was a really clever system and he cracked that. So basically, while the guidelines were being done, Ed came up with this really clever way that they could literally just drag in a bunch of letters, organize a word and do it all in Photoshop. And do it right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. takes so, a lot of well, this foresight. Is, yeah, it, look, it, it's but it's also experimentation as well. It's just, mm. It seems like this whole area is just like new frontier kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and, and look, mm. this was a small. This was a. This was this was risky. You know, this was risky stuff. Like this is like it's not how you ideally want to hand over a brand. It's not super simple. But you know what? A small team of five in-house designers that were really up for it. I think you can hand something like that over mm. if you want to do something truly unique and original. Sometimes you do have to. Mm. It does have to be a little bit clunkier than than what would than what it would usually be. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I think the guys, the Interbrand, absolutely nailed it with that Opera House brand. What they did is they got the same 3D type made, but they had the typeface circular, 
remade in 3D by the original typeface designer. And then they had, I don't know who it was, but they had this InDesign expert, some, some guru, craft those 3D letters into an InDesign script so that when you typed, mm. when you typed a word and then chose Utson, they called the typeface, yeah. it literally converted that typeface in InDesign into that uh, 3D typeface. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. pretty impressive. So this yeah. is the this is the fairly recent one, right? The new um, was Collider that did that yeah. video. Collider did the motion. Yeah. yeah, lovely, lovely work. Mm. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier today. We were. Yeah. yeah, and that's the sort of thing. To be honest, like when I first saw that, I thought, "Wow, that is a lot." Exactly what we we're just talking about. I'm like, "Wow." So what are they going to do? They're just going to give that to their in-house designers, and they're going to slap it along and do yeah. this sort of stuff. So <laughs> I feel for the the brand designers because surely there must be a little bit of angst, like, "God, I hope they don't stuff it up yeah. or miss the point." Yeah. You know, and create in, some in, sort in of... In design, I want a Word document so I can just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it must be scary. But yeah, yeah. as you said, a bit of, bit of risk, a bit of um, yeah. experimentation. How, yeah. do, how do you... And, you know, I've asked a lot of people this, but particularly in your area, how do you keep on top of all this stuff? Like, Because yeah. it just feels like there's more and more new stuff. And yeah, yeah, there is. You have to, like, just continuously continuously be doing continuously be doing work continuously be trying to push your own boundaries continually Mm -hmm. and if you're not getting if you're not getting the right jobs that are allowing you to do that then you do it with side projects like one thing that I think about a lot I've never understood clock on clock off creativity I'm not saying that we should all work round the clock 24 hours because I think that's crazy and burnout will happen but I never understand the idea that I'm going to design from Monday to Friday between 9 and 5 or right. 9 and 5.30 and then I'm going to go home because I have a life I, I get that I, I like to enjoy myself I like to get away from work and have a life as well but I think sometimes things hit me at the weirdest time sometimes I'm working on something and I just I'm so into it and I want to work on it for the weekend I've got a side project kicking around I can't wait to get my client work out of the way because I want to keep working on that project or I want to play with a new technique because I've got this plugin that allows me to do this or I've just upgraded Cinema 4D so I want to use it and experiment with it and I think you know you've I yeah I think you just gotta. You've just gotta love it for one. Yeah, that's yeah. the passion that you it. have. You've gotta love yeah. it. You know. You've, yeah. yeah. You've really gotta love it, and you've gotta. If you're not getting the satisfaction from corporate work, can be dry and boring. Mm. There's no doubt about it. I've, that's why I've always pushed myself with side projects because they keep me excited. They keep me entertained. I don't mm. want to just be bashing out corporate work all day. That's boring. Like some of it can be really interesting and then it's up to the individual as well. It's up to me to make that work as exciting as it can be. Yeah. Like when sometimes I hear like oh, that's all they've got for the budget or, or, oh, that's good. Or, I've spent enough time and I've spent too much time on it. But it can be cooler. It can yeah. be better. That's yeah. not good enough. Like, it can be better. Let's make it as good as it can be. That's, mm. I think that's... So I try and find, like, I guess, a sense of satisfaction from every every job I touch. I just, no matter what the budget, no matter what the budget, once I say yes to it, I try and own it. Yeah. Right. Try and own it make it as good as it can be. And obviously some jobs do have... A lot of jobs have smaller budgets than others, but... You know, and I, I, mm. guess, I guess the ones that blow out and where you have to spend time learning something else... That's kind of money in the bank for the next job. You get it back. Yeah, yep, you get it back tenfold. And sometimes I'll choose to do something a little bit trickier because um, I want to learn that. I yeah. want to learn that technique on the job. Hmm. Yeah, so cool. what about? So you've just employed? Yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. I've, my first hire. So when was this? This was this like was we're this talking week. This, this was week. This week. He started on Monday. He's like right. a new dad. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to give him a shout out? Because we've yeah. shouted out a lot of people. Yeah, Let's yeah, give him a yeah. shout I've out. I've got to give Come him a on. shout out. So, so it's Alex's first week. His name's Alex Barnett. He's an ex-UTS student. Um, and hey, Alex, don't stuff this up. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's, he's he's killed it. It's his first. It's his first <laughs> week, and, and he's killed it. I'm really happy. I'm, I'm so far so far so good. It's, it feels like I've, I've it's just nerve wracking employing someone, you know. But it, bet, yeah. yeah, but yeah. it feels it, it it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. So we're, okay. Hey, where'd you find this guy? 
So basically, we had an intern back at Inspiran named Scott Burns, and we coined Scott Burns as the best intern ever. Scott went on to then work at Toco right, for cool. a year and six months. He then has freelanced with, with Re, did a month with Re, with Chris over at Re, and he just got back. We caught up today. We had lunch today, actually. He caught, just got back from a, a workshop in Munich with IDEO. Oh, wow. So okay. he, when Scott said, hey, I know someone that's studying that I think could be a good motion designer. I was okay. like, okay, cool. <laughs> You're listening. Him. I don't yeah. even need someone, but I better take him. <laughs> yeah, and, and Alex is cool. Like, Alex is, is really cool. Like, we, we, we've got really similar tastes in music, you know. Like, we're constantly kicking each other's sort of playlists around. And, yeah. you know, and he's really into motion. He's really excited by it. He's got, he's got just good, good thinking. Like, so why, why now? Just work is... I guess I get a lot of work that I, t- I get a lot of work that I turn away. Right. I get a lot of work that I turn away. And part of me wants to just keep doing it on, on my own because right now I really love my, my lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. I, I guess I love sometimes I work hard. Sometimes I take, a, you know, time off. I can, you know, it, you know, I just love that, that flexibility that I've got. And, you know, I can walk into work when I want. I can duck off for lunch whenever I want. I can take an afternoon off. Like yep. um, Chris Doyle and I um, are really, really good mates. So a shout out to Chris, you know. Um, he's been awesome, like helping me get this business up off the ground and help me with making my first hire. And we hang out a lot. So there's times, you know, Chris just calls me on a whim and goes, hey, man, I reckon we take the Arpo off and go get lunch. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Nice. <laughs> so that's cool. So yeah. basically, I really love that flexibility. But I guess I just think maybe maybe I should have a crack, you know. Mm. I, I really liked Alex. He came and did a couple of years, a couple of days for me last year. Had really good connection. And um, I went and saw his end of year project um at his grad show and it was it was it was insane it was about artificial intelligence and i really dug it and then he was like well i want to go on a trip for three months around south america and then finish up in new york and i'm like well that's cool no worries so i waited i was like oh this guy seems right and he wants to he wanted to work with Mm -hmm. me so 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 right now he works for mike tosetto and even my branding is mike so this is really cool chris doyle is going to be doing a rebrand for you, rename, rebrand. I don't Brilliant. know what it's going to be. I'm awesome. leaving. It in, I'm going to leave it. Leave it in the, in the, in the professional's hands. It could be anything. So, <laughs> Doctor Didge. So <laughs> there you go, Chris. Doctor Didge. Will Didgeri so, do it for you? <laughs> that's a tagline. Yeah. There you go, Chris. Nailed. You are, you're welcome, Doyle. Take that yeah. one. Just, just come to us. So, <laughs> so that's so that's really exciting because I guess as well, I think there's a perception agencies have at the moment of Mike the freelancer. Yeah. You know, and clients see me as sort of Mike the we don't know Mike the guy yeah you know? yes. so um, I'd rather agencies see me more as a studio and clients see me more as a studio right. my, for, my, for my two cents there's um, yeah there's been a lot of people that I, that I know that um, household names that have said kind of yep if I could go back I probably wouldn't have named it after myself because for better or worse like I've over time hired people that are better than me but everybody wants the boss and so if you call it you they want you um, exactly. But if it's more about the studio yeah. and the work, then yeah. it's about everybody. And yeah, yeah. Mm. So and yeah, and I want, you're at that stage where you can yeah. make that decision. Yeah, exactly. And I want I want Alex to be able to say I work for whatever studio. Work yeah. for Mike. And yeah. be, <laughs> rather than <laughs> I work for Mike. Yeah. I work with Mike Tosetto. You know, yeah. I want to say I work at you know studio. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And if more people come on board and you know could grow something mm, really cool. Sounds like so, it will. You might do the co thing like Chris. You know the <laughs> yeah. So you think it might just be Chris's. Chris's identity, but just, oh, just bike, like bike. <laughs> change the color or something. It's the same thing. That's all you need to do with branding, guys. Yeah. This is easy. This is a cakewalk. I got this. Um, that's super so, no, exciting. That, that is that is really exciting. Like and and I, like I had all these ideas, and Chris and I were, were kicking them around. Then and then I thought about it more, and I said, you know what? Like like I, like I trust Chris implicitly, and I'd rather mm. like 
I've shown him a few things that, that I like, why I like them, and I'd rather just leave it in Chris's hands. I know, I know yep. it's going to be amazing. So, yep. yeah, yeah. For sure. So that is really exciting. I'm pumped. Cool. So you mentioned side projects before yeah. and just about fitting them in, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because every time we've talked, yep. you've always got something going Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm always banging on about side projects. <laughs> so t- 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 tell us more. Like yeah. how, how important is that to your business? Re- yeah, really, really, really important. And and like my side projects, like right now, I don't have a side project on the go because I've got a really exciting project on the go with Adobe. Right. And I cool. believe in collaboration as much as I do with side projects. So I really love the idea of doing a side project to collaborate with artists that do stuff different to what you do to push yourselves to do yep. really really cool work and a cool piece of work that you believe in for no money just for art's sake with no pesky clients in the way yeah so i'm working with a guy named tim clapham at the moment right? <laughs> sorry sorry to all the clients yeah. called, called pesky <laughs> <laughs> not your clients so, right other, yeah, clients. Yeah. Other, other clients you know like clients i've worked for in the past not my current clients of course not and no not future clients either <laughs> but i'm i'm working with a guy named tim clapham now tim basically is the director of lux which is um an, an amazing studio they do great work he's collaborated mm. with you know all the big names like Raul Marx and Patrick Clare and he works with Nathan and Brecken from Kintings and he's he's just incredible. He works with, you know, Heckler and, and Mister and he's, he's, he's Chris, um, Tim is one of the best Cinema 4D artists in Australia, if not the world, and he does training. He does all this training for, for Maxon. Maxon's a company that makes Cinema 4D. He flies all over the world. He basically give present, gives presentations at all the big shows like NAB and Seagraph over in the States. And I thought it would be cool if he came and spoke at an actor event last year for VFX Motion and Sound. And he came along with his wife Fleur, and we just hit it off. We ended up at the pub. We just we just hit it off, and we thought, why don't why don't we catch up? I live in Annandale. They live in Newtown, literally around the corner, Brilliant. and we've just stayed friends ever since. So basically, when I had this Adobe project pop up, so Claire Cahill from Adobe got in touch with me. She said, "Hey, Mike, loved all the stuff you were doing for Agda last year. We've been checking out your site. Do you want to do the opening titles for our Make It?" event which is happening on May the 5th at Carriage Works. Oh, I think about it. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I was like I was like you know like of course. So then I thought it would be really cool it would be really cool to bring Tim in because Tim who didn't know me from a he didn't know me you know who didn't know me at all came to do this talk for Agda. He then came he then basically decided he I asked him to do a creative response for the Agda awards and he did. And so it was really cool. I thought it'd be really cool to work on this project with Tim. I really respect him as an artist, so I thought it would just push it. It would just just push it to the next level. We're nearly finished. It's it's so awesome. It's so awesome. I think it's been a great process. I've learned so much. I'm so happy with the result. Like, um, I can't wait. I can't wait till it's out there. I can't wait to share when, it. When do we get to see it? Um, well, May May fifth. May right. fifth, it'll launch it, make it, and then we'll then we'll put it up online. Great. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of like a side project ish at the moment. But if I'm not doing something like that, then a project like whether it be just for the love of whiskey, a project about the whiskey process just for kicks, or you know that project that you mentioned earlier, like that we haven't the mentioned Australian flag, the Australian yeah. flag. Yeah, I just did that just because I wanted to kick around vector shaped flags, and that ended up being featured on Motionographer. Yeah. And work comes with free work. This free work brings paid work, but it's also work that I'm excited about and love sharing and love collaborating with people on and. Yeah. I mean that one of the, another thing that we've talked about before is just because um, I always see you as incredibly generous with your time to you know whether it's coming on ADR or doing creative mornings or speaking with students or anything like that you're always really happy to give up that time. How important is generosity in in the industry? Yeah, I think I think I think I think really important because I guess so many people so many people like like when I started at Interbrand right I 
came from a production studio. I didn't know about branding. I didn't know about this branding world. And there were a few people there who really, really took me under their wing, you know, like like Chris McLean, Mike Rigby, Chris Doyle, Ben Miles. These people, like, really, really helped, you know. And Joao became a mate. But even even Joao was, like, just someone who was really integral to my growth and, and basically getting me involved. Like, Mike and Chris, Mike Mike Doyle and... Uh, um, Mike Doyle. <laughs> Mike Rigby oh, and, and Chris Doyle. Love child. child. Yeah. Yeah. They, really, they really helped get me involved in... in um, in, in Agda and, and doing yeah. talks and mm. Chris now he's always Chris Doyle he's always saying to me hey man I put you forth this talk or did you get an email from this person and you know people like that like Chris mm. is incredibly incredibly generous with his with his mm. time you know and I think yeah. and Tim Clapham like coming and doing a talk for Agda like this guy's one of one of the best and one of the busiest you know and I just am blown away by that generosity that I've received from so many people so yeah. who am I to not be yeah 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 I agree. So, and it, it does open up opportunities later down the yeah. track. And also, so, oh, sorry, just one more thing I was going to say. Like, I've got to throw a big shout out to Jace for, like, last year, being on the Actor Council with him as the president. He's, Jace is... He's, Jason Little. Jason Little. Yeah. Like, he's such, a, he's such a driving force. I mean, this is a guy that just says yes to, even now, he says yes to everything. And, you know, and he really, it was great for me to be on the council while he was on the council. And I just, from him, just started to push and keep pushing. Because like Jace used to say, you know, if you've got an idea, just make it happen. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. And I just took that on board and just I just pushed because especially on an actor council, everyone's on there voluntary, there's no money, mm. everyone's busy. So if you want to make stuff happen, the one thing to have an idea, that's awesome. If you don't do anything about it, it's not gonna happen. So yeah. if you have an idea, just do it. Yeah. Just do it. You've got the the actor behind you. So mm. just do it. And if it's a great idea, make it happen. So yeah, so there's been a few people who have been really instrumental in, in, in basically helping me and sharing their time with me. And, you know, so I really like giving it back. Mm. I think it's a good place to end it, boys. That was awesome. Yeah. I could keep going. I'm just getting started. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like that, doesn't it? We could yeah. just, we could just keep yeah. rolling on. Yeah. We've got heaps, of, heaps more to talk to you about, but, you know, we, we all need to go home eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> This, is, this has been great. I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. So usually what we do at the end is we go around and find out where can people find out more about you. Check out your awesome showreel, by the way, as well. Thank Jello. you. Yeah. Thank you. That's so getting a bit old now. We need a new one. <laughs> but, but thank you. Yep. Okay. Well, where can people find you? What's so, the website and stuff? So at the so it will be you know it will be the the new the, the new, new thing. the new thing. Yeah. Well, you know it will be the new the, thing. The Doctor Didge. Yeah, it will be Doctor oh, Didge. Doctor Didge will do what you can't do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But for the time being, it's just MikeTosetto.com. Great. And my Twitter handle is MikeTosetto. So yeah. Cool. Perfect. Matt. Uh, Leachworth. L e a c h w o r t h. Awesome. And I'm still at, at Flynn Tracy at pretty much everything. You can find this episode or more at australiandesignradio.symbolcast.fm and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUS Design Radio. Thank you, boys. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thanks yeah. for having me. Awesome. Can I do another voice? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was fun. This yeah. has been ADR. <laughs> you do it better than me. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Have a good time, man. <laughs>